You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. and welcome to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello. And today's guest, I am so freaking excited about. We met over TikTok of all places. It seems to be the thing nowadays. And we immediately connected and I was like, oh my God, A, I've known you for forever. Like, I feel like you're a brother, but holy shit, I need to know you because you are so fucking smart. Like, this is what it came down to. So today's guest is Khalil Dumas. He's a highly, highly motivated and passionate entrepreneur, customer experience executive and technology visionary leader, and has gained the majority of his professional experience with Fortune 500 companies and startups. Unstuck KD is a platform that provides a community to anyone who feels stuck in their career, business, and life. Khalil's goal is to give everyone the resources and knowledge to take the first step in realizing their full potential and reaching their goals. And I know for a fact, every single person who's listening to this episode is kind of in that space. So thank you so much, Khalil, for not only being on this, but for also doing the work that you do because it's so important. Thank you so much for having me. And you're such a rock star yourself. I really get a lot of value from your message of empowerment and just making people give up their excuses. You know, it's really time to empower yourself today with technology and a pandemic that just rocked the world. So it's time now to grab your power and build your platform. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. So can you give everyone a backstory how you stumbled into entrepreneurship? I know you did a lot of shit. Like you have a long history and a very windy road. So can you kind of tell us, you know, what's going on, why you got to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it really felt destined. And I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago, but taking it all the way back to my childhood, you know, I was raised by a single mom who was on welfare and eventually became an attorney. And I also paired that with my dad who has always been what we call a corporate quitter. He never wanted to work for a corporation. He's always made that very clear to me that I shouldn't either. He's an architect. So now he owns an architecture firm. So a lot of my childhood was watching ambition really flourish and watching my parents really strive to be great. And so that naturally rubbed off on me. I got started in entrepreneurship from a really, really young age. I really enjoyed talking to business owners and asking them why they had the businesses they had. But I got my start in college. I actually started a clothing brand as all great entrepreneurs do. I started a clothing brand and I ended up setting up a store in my dorm room. And that's kind of where I started off with my journey. I said, Hey, you know, one of my friends actually ended up making a couple million dollars, just getting onto a music video with his clothing. And I was like, wow, like he didn't put any thought into this. And what if I put some thought into this? Where would I end up? Uh, So that was kind of the start very quickly. From there, that launched me into being able to join an apparel startup called ASRV. I know a lot of our weightlifting and fitness community is going to be familiar with Aesthetic Revolution. They're a very big brand. They're a competitor to Gymshark. Uh, so that was my first gig. And that uh, was lukewarm, really starting to give me some hard lessons. And it's really important to work for the right people, not necessarily do what you love, but work for the right and work with the right people. From there, that led me into my job at Nike which was a great experience, which ultimately led me into the startup that I just sold this year with a group of folks. We do AI, ML, and NLP analytics of customer data. From there, that gave me this great opportunity to launch my own platform. And what I left out of there was, I've really throughout my whole life helped other people build their brands and tell their stories. I've never really done it for myself. So this is a great launching point for myself to go into business alone with no partners and to do it myself. So why I created Unstuck KD was to really help folks who feel the same way, whether that be an entrepreneurship business or career, find their flow, you know, find their audience, find their community, 
Uh, and that's really where I got started. And I hope to continue here for, for decades to come. Yeah. Isn't it fucking hilarious how you can work a nine to five job and like do all the things necessary and like all the pieces lay out right in front of you and you know exactly what to do to help them build their business and make that thing grow. But when it comes to your own, you're like, I have no clue. (laughs) Right? What what the fuck is that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot with why you can help others more than you can help yourself. I think it goes along with that analogy. It's a lot harder to build your own business and to put that self-critic to sleep and really keep going day in and day out by yourself than to do it for someone else and have a little bit less of an emotional connection to what's being built. I've definitely had to reconcile with that. Going into entrepreneurship, you're going to have to heal and it's going to be forced or else you're going to fail. And I know you know that more than anybody else. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What I call is it's looking the dragon in the eye, you know, being able to really look at the hardest parts of yourself and how you respond to the world and changing that. That's what's really helped me be able to build a platform on my own with no judgment of myself, because that's what's kept me stuck in the past is such hard judgment on myself in terms of, you know, imposter syndrome and all that. And we'll get into some of that minutia, but yeah, absolutely. Right. Isn't that hilarious how we're just like the last people we think of. And I think that's true for not only business, but in our own lives, because it's a lot harder to look at yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what was it like to build and sell a startup? Cause when people think startup, they think of like, right, you got to raise capital and you got to come up with all these, do these business plans and you got to do all this crazy shit, which I'm sure, right. It's definitely a real thing, but like, what was it like? And even for the many successful people that you helped grow their crazy audience or have them explode, like go from no one to someone. How was it? Yeah. I'm going to kind of start from a high level and I'll get very granular. You know, in hindsight, I'll be completely honest with you. It was a bit of a whirlwind, but what I learned was the most important thing was to trust myself under pressure and realize that I don't have to be perfect and figuring out how to give myself validation. This is what gave me the confidence to say no and to have boundaries. And these are some of the intangibles that I feel like folks leave out, which is consistency, confidence, and creativity, and being able to fully unlock that. So really, that's kind of what it gave me. But in the minutia of it, where I've been able to really derive my lane in entrepreneurship, and especially with selling the business, is being able to show value. So with the startup that I had, I started a reporting methodology at Nike, which I pitched to the startup and said, hey... You guys provide a great service. It's a great piece of software, but you have no value tied to it. You have no way of giving your clients instant value. And I know that value is your number one thing, being able to provide people value. And so that is where I was able to grow our startup from about 3 million to 12 million, providing that value. And that's what allowed us to get purchased for about north of $50 million. So, you know, really for myself, where I am successful more than not is what I talked about previously being able to look the dragon in the eye, being able to admit when you're wrong and being able to work as a team and not needing the spotlight 100% of the time. It's not so much about what you know or, or the work that you do. It's really about how you work with others and how you work with yourself. That is going to dictate your success more than anything in the startup world. I love that because I think for a lot of people, they think even for myself, I've always been a quest, right? I need to learn more. I need to grow skills. I need to become a better version of myself that's smarter, right? So that I can start the business, grow the investment portfolio, like do whatever it is I need to do. But at the same effect, I'm realizing now, now I'm actually running the show that it's more so how I operate and how I conduct myself with other people and how I make other people feel that's actually the thing that moves the needle, not the skill set. Anyone can have skills. Anyone can learn that, but it's character that actually is the deciding factor if you're successful or not. 
Absolutely. And I have a lot of you know mentees that I coach in, in my business as well as I'm a personal and business consultant. And what I always tell them is, right, you're going to naturally do the things you just described, right? You're going to naturally learn more skills. You're going to make sure that your budgeting is correct, right? But what you're going to do is let yourself fall to the wayside. You're not going to check in with yourself. You're not going to check in with your team. Those intangibles, those things of relationship building and character building often fall to the wayside and where the, the cracks begin to show and where the failure begins. I've been in that situation numerous times before I found the right team, not looking at myself, not looking at how my team perceived myself and supported me. So I made those mistakes and they were very, very difficult ones, You know, ones that spoured me into depression and anxiety. But I wouldn't trade those experiences for the world because it really opened my eyes up to focus on taking care of myself and making sure that my character was aligned and making sure that the folks that I worked with, that their characters were aligned as well. Because again, it's those things that people overlook and what causes businesses and startups to fail more so than things like funding, et cetera. You know, those things naturally will come if you have a good idea. So that is what I coach folks on is focusing on those pieces and those aspects of building your character. Yeah. But I also want to just throw in there because now in the age of TikTok and just marketing and all that, right? You can have a great product, but if no one knows that you exist, it's kind of fucking useless. So, you know, there's the notion of like, you want to entertain people, but like what ends up happening is like, okay, I'm sure you get this too, where like the other day I made a TikTok that hit about 200K, which is crazy. And it was super fucking entertaining. But then I get all these comments from people who are like, you taught me nothing. This is ridiculous. Right? I'm telling people to quit corporate. This is ridiculous. You can't do this, blah, 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 blah. All this shit from people. And so like, that's great. Like the entertainment aspect, but like, how does that fall into business? Like, how can we actually use that in business? And how do we know when we've like crossed the line in terms of entertainment? Like, is there a happy medium between like entertaining and providing value? Like what's the whole gist with entertaining and then actually business? Yeah, the way that I put it, you know, TikTok has opened up a bunch of doors, not only for myself to help people, but just in general for the world to communicate. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But what it's done is it's given folks the ability to solve complex problems or get insight into a complex problem in a quick and digestible way. And for the people that, for that viral video, for example, that are giving you shit, you're threatening their very existence, right? If you believe in corporate, if you, that is your life what you're saying is not going to jive. And so that is really important to remember. Your message and your entertainment is not going to land with everyone. And that's not the goal. The goal is for your entertainment to land with your community. And I'm going to get a little brainy on you here for a second. From a web perspective, right? When we were growing up in the early 2000s, web one, you know, we were looking at photos. We weren't interacting. Web two came around that allowed us to reach and communicate with others, right? Social media, Instagram, Facebook, but we're in web three now. And what we're doing is building and driving our own platforms and our own communities. And so that is how I look at this entertainment and business connection that's been going on is this is we're entering into web three, which is we're not only entertaining people, we're changing people's lives and building communities that will have lifelong relationships on a digital front, which we've never done before. So we're really charting an uncharted path here with bridging that gap between entertainment and business. But it's something that I struggle with. But how I get over that is I make sure that value is always there. I make sure that I'm always helping folks, that I have free resources, that I'm giving my time. Because if we're doing all of those things right, our businesses will do well and the entertainment piece will follow. So, I mean, 
stemming with the entertainment. Okay. Let's say you're entertaining people or like great example. Let's stick with the TikTok thing. I know so many people who have a great following, but they don't know what the fuck to do with it. How does someone get unstuck and just do the damn thing like experiment or like, okay, whether they have the following or not, like how can someone get going when they've hit a rut, whether they're still at the job, right? They have the following and they don't know what to do with it or they have none of those things. And they're like, I quit and I have no fucking idea what to do or like help. SOS help. Yeah. I think it's really, you know, at first and foremost, if you're someone with a large TikTok audience and you're not quite sure what to do with it, chances are you're not listening to your community very closely because they're going to tell you what they want from you. My community has voiced very loud and clear what they want from me and how they want it. So I would challenge those folks to really take the next 30 days and really read comments and understand what their community is asking for and deliver on that. But from even a higher standpoint, if you're someone that's in a rut and just has a hard time doing the damn thing. I have about 50 plus ways that I talk about on my TikTok on how to get unstuck, but it boils down to a couple problems that I've worked on with my clients. I've been able to outline it into four things. The first thing is having no plan. A lot of the folks you're talking about actually don't have a plan. They're just on TikTok making videos to make them, right? So not having a plan or outlining tangible steps or goals in terms of what you want to reach can really make you feel like you're just floundering out in the ether in this giant world of TikTok, right? With no goal or no direction. So first and foremost, it's finding a plan and finding what your goal is. Why are you on TikTok? What do you want to do? As you put it, what's your why, right? That is what a lot of folks I think don't really think hard about. My why is to help folks get unstuck and to also provide healing to the community that I'm growing. Because ultimately to get unstuck, you have to heal a little bit. So that's first right? No plan, no tangible steps. Two is caring too much about what others think. I know a lot of creators that make a lot of videos that they don't really want to make, but they think they have to because others may judge them or others may think that this is the box they fit in. Really taking a step back and saying, what do I want to do? What kind of content do I want to create? What kind of value do I want to deliver? Very, very important to really sit with that. And uh, it can change. It can change over time. But really sitting with that for today and seeing what you want to do today is really important. You know, I meditate quite often just for that reason. What do I want to accomplish today? What am I feeling that I need to share with the world today? That will really help bring your community together. And the other two areas are isolation, folks not getting out into a community, whether that be online or in person. For example, you and I connecting was fantastic because oh, I now have someone that I can God. really jive with, right? I have someone that I know can relate to what I'm saying. So isolation is a huge one that I feel like a lot of folks go through who have those big TikTok followings, but just in general, folks who are in a rut are very isolated and don't have anyone to talk to. So that's a huge one that I encourage my clients to do. Reach out to five people that you like and start building relationships with those people. Yeah. I completely agree with what you said. And, and the more that I actually reach out to people and connect with people like you, the easier it gets, right? Because you have another person in your network. You have another person to straight up. I will go to your TikTok and be like, okay, what is Khalil doing? Like, let me comb over some of his best videos or let me see what his link tree looks like, or let me see what some of his wording is. Or like you use your friends as not only like your motivating factor and are you asking them questions, right? A soundboard, but use them as inspiration. Like I go to many people who are in my wheelhouse to help me. That's the whole fucking point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, and I think with that, and I'm getting better at it. Folks like us are very much in our worlds, being able to just take a pause and go and try to empathize and be in someone else's world for a little bit can only help us 
right? Getting outside of our own head and getting outside of our own problems can only help you and inspire you and really stoke up your creativity. So that's really what what that does when I talk to folks like you or Tori Dunlap, right? Being able to talk to folks like that who have done it, who've walked that walk helps me to go, okay, well, what's missing from my picture or what can I learn from Gabby that maybe I'm not doing, right? And from you, it's, I always laugh because I always tell my fiance this with with Gabby. It's always like, whenever I come up with an excuse, I think about you. I'm like, oh, Gabby would... (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, like she's oh, so honored. Um, you know, right? <laughs> so that keeps me like even this website I'm building, it's supposed to be done by the end of the year. And I'm kidding these roadblocks. And I'm like, Gabby would be so pissed. This oh my is God, not that's a roadblock. So funny. Like, I could find a way around this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have so I have a to-do list and I try every single week to like check in with people, whether they're like friends or people that I've spoken to or helped, like in any capacity, like, hey, just want to check and see how it's going. Like, how's the new job or you know, how's quitting going, whatever it is. And I have you on my list to check in next week to see how your website is going. <laughs> And I knew that. I know you. That's because you start to find people that really care because you know what it's like. You were just there, right? Like, you know what that feeling is like. I just appreciate it so much. And that's what TikTok has really done for me is it's the best networking tool out there. LinkedIn's great. It's a dinosaur and, you know, it works for some, but TikTok is really a networking machine. And that's really what I focus on. I really could give a shit about my views or my likes or really my following count. Really what I care about is connecting with people and building that community and those relationships. That's one of my main goals as well, is being able to reach out to folks and and build that community on TikTok as well. Yeah, I agree. So I want to shift gears a little bit. Well, I guess it kind of goes with being unstuck, but like you touched before on imposter syndrome. Like, can you kind of get into that? And also another thing, which I'm not sure if you experience, but I would assume you do just because we're both young, but I typically with imposter syndrome, like I know I'm good at what I do. I know I have skill sets, right? I have the experiences. I have the track record. I can see myself when I do these podcasting or videos or whatever. It's like, I can identify that maybe I'm becoming the shit. And the same thing, everyone is the shit to some extent. They just have to believe it. But age typically gives a lot of validation, right? If you're older, you deserve it and you deserve the success and the money. But when you're young, it's almost like, oof, you don't because you don't, you haven't quote unquote put in your dues. So can you kind of talk about imposter syndrome and like the whole age validation bullshit thing and how that notion is going out the window? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the age and then I'm going to jump into how to overcome imposter syndrome. I had this. So at my last startup, my C-suite, the youngest person in the C-suite was 40. So you can imagine I'm currently 27. And when I started in that startup, I was 24. So you can imagine the level of imposter syndrome I had with saying, hey, I can grow your ARR from three to 15 million. And I'm confident I can do it. And going to a a room full of 40 plus year olds and being confident there. And at the time, Gabby, I'll let you know, I went above and beyond to prove everyone wrong. I did the most to try to really make sure that every single item was buttoned up. And what I quickly realized, not only working with my C-suite, but I've worked with about 80 Fortune 500 C-suites, including T-Mobile, DoorDash, et cetera. What I really started to notice was, one, all of these veterans weren't super buttoned up. They had all of this flack that you know they weren't buttoning up. They weren't tying these loose ends. They weren't perfect, right? They weren't the smartest guys in the room. A lot of them were just kind of doing what I was doing, right? They were kind of fishing it together as I went. And that started to open my eyes and I was starting to challenge people and really build my confidence to start to call out some of the things that I thought should change in the company. And they would go with it because no one else had any ideas. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. You're taking guidance from a 25-year-old. And what I started to change that into was, I'm a 25-year-old who's in a C-suite, who's a part of a startup. How many 25-year-olds are doing that? 
you have to really take a step back and really give yourself some appraise, right? You're at, going after it. You're doing great. And how you, I got over that imposter syndrome is what I would do is I would list out accomplishments, not only just any old accomplishment, but when I had really bad imposter syndrome and when I overcame it. So I would actually have a running list of times where I really felt that imposter syndrome creeping up. So I would write about, you know, what I was feeling in the moment. And then after I delivered or after I did that thing that I was feeling a lot of imposter syndrome about, I'd write how it went. So when imposter syndrome reared its head around, I would go to that list and I would read all the things. I'd be like, I've done this already. And what I started to realize, Gabby, was when imposter syndrome showed up, it wasn't really imposter syndrome showing up. It was perfectionism showing up. That's how my perfectionism would show up. If you try to be perfect, you're going to fail. If you try to be perfect, you're going to self-sabotage. And I can go on and on and on. And so that's how I really started to identify Kevin. And that's what I call him. I had named my imposter syndrome because it got to be that bad, where I would you know, really feel really bad anxiety. It would cause me to be depressed. So those systems have helped me to overcome, not to say that I don't um, experience imposter syndrome. I kind of experienced it, to be honest, before coming on the podcast, like, man, do I really, what do I have? Like, am I really the person that folks should be listening to? But again, I have this system where I say, you know what? I've been in this situation. I've delivered. I've given numerous values. I've had people tell me, wow, like you should have your own podcast. Wow. You should have your own company. You're such a great leader. And I try to really remember those examples. And that's what really helps me overcome my imposter syndrome. Wow. Spit and fire. Khalil. Yeah, man. It's one that's personal to me. And I, so I'm someone that's very close to my mom. She's a C-suite healthcare executive. And to this date, she still has imposter syndrome. She still walked into a room and it's like, there are guys who've been in the industry for 40 years. And I'm like, mom, but look at you. You're in there 20 years younger and giving all the fire and all the ideas. Like be proud of yourself and remember that. And remember, you don't have to be perfect. That is what I would leave our listeners with is really, really make sure your imposter syndrome is in check and make sure that you're not trying to be perfect because if you are, you're going to fail over and over again because there's no such thing. I do like the idea of creating lists, right? Because I think when I flip through my journal, right, I can like find nuggets of gold here and there. And when I take a glimpse, you know, back, I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. I did that. But when you really look at every freaking thing that you did to get to where you are, you're like, holy crap, I moved mountains. And it's a really nice feeling knowing that like, you, you actually did this. Like, I think you touched on it before, but like, why do you think so many people have a hard time giving themselves credit when credit is due? Like, how do you get away from that? Even in a corporate job, right? You have your boss who takes credit for you and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I actually did that. Hold the fuck up. You know? Yeah. Luckily I can speak for not only myself, but you know, hundreds of clients that I've served. And what it comes down to is a couple things. It was very true for myself. Giving myself credit in my eyes meant that I was slacking off. I know that sounds really strange. And for some, they might go, well, well, what? Like, what does that mean? Giving myself credit in my eyes meant taking my foot off the gas. Like I was saying, hey, I've reached it. I've gotten there. Giving myself credit and celebrating myself felt like I was losing the grip on what I did. And so by saying, hey, you know what? You did good, but hey, look at what you can do better. By not celebrating, I felt like I was continuing to power forward. I wasn't losing my momentum. And that's really where I would feel when trying to give myself credit was like, I couldn't because I don't want to slack off. I don't want to get a big head. I don't want to let up on the gas here. And for me, that started with sports. I was a D1 athlete. And I would always find whenever my coach gave me a compliment, the next set was always terrible because I was paying attention to the compliment, not paying attention to 
all those things I was doing to make sure that I did a good job. And so I gave that validation in my head. I said, you know, well, remember back to when you ran track, like you were the same way. So this must just be how you operate. And what I learned was that's not the way to do it. You have to give yourself credit or else you will naturally not only burn yourself out, you will throw yourself into depression. You will throw yourself into anxiety if you're not stopping to smell the roses. And I really appreciate you talking about this too. And that's where I commented a while ago saying, you know, celebrating yourself is an art form. It takes practice to be able to celebrate yourself when praise is due. We have no problem doing it for other people, right? But we have a really hard time doing it for ourselves. So it goes back to our first kind of point in the podcast. It's really hard to look at yourself and say, hey, man, you did a great job because all those insecurities, all of those things that you haven't done come rearing back and say, you know what? You have so much more to do. Let's keep it moving. And that's what kept me. And that's what kept a lot of my clients as well. When I gave them that slacking off analogy, a lot of my clients are like, that's me too. That's why I don't do that too. I, I've had to sit with that. And I just, just feel like I can't give myself praise because do I deserve it? And that runs really deep. Like I'm talking at a surface level right now, but this can run very deep for you. Going back to what you said about journaling. That's why journaling is so important because it really allows you to see and separate your thoughts from your consciousness and from who you are. And that will really help with building yourself and giving yourself credit. And I'll give you an example. I hadn't journaled oh, I hadn't journaled for probably six months at this point in time. Uh, this was right before we sold our startup. And my last journal entry was talking about how anxious I was, how depressed I was, how unsure I was of everything. And my next journal entry that I wrote that day was talking about how great I felt, how well things were going, how proud I was of myself. And being able to see those two worlds, that's the moment I was like, man, I really got to give myself some credit. Like, wow, like look at all of these mountains I've moved. Look at all of the things that I thought I wasn't going to do that not only I did, but I crushed and did such a good job on. And so that's also why having a supportive partner is important. My fiance has created this. She always makes sure that I'm celebrated um, and I'm blessed to have that. Not everyone has that. So if you don't have that, journaling is your best friend, taking a break to really celebrate yourself, even if that's going to get your favorite food or going to, you know, hang out with some of your friends, like make sure you do that. And if you have a supportive partner, like, you know what I'm talking about. She really gives me that celebratory attention that I really need. And I'm learning to continue to get myself, but this is something I struggle with to this day, Gabby. I still struggle with this. Yeah. Same. I mean, I talk to people all day long and, you know, whether it's on the podcast or be doing, you know, prep calls or one-on-one sessions and everyone's like, oh, you're so inspiring. Like you've done so much in such a short amount of time. And yes, I can see that. But at the same time, also, like, I also haven't done too much. Like, there's also the idea of like, well, I had this timeline that I imposed on myself that, well, let's be fucking frank, is unrealistic. We're like, yeah, I'm going to make like double my salary in a year. Like, no, bet you're not. But cool. I mean, I'm open to the possibilities, but like, let's be, you know, we need to be realistic at certain times. But also, yes, I think last week I did have that moment of like, holy crap, I did make it because I had to remind myself of why I was doing what I was doing in the first place, which I think a lot of people can, you could be led astray by a lot of what they call shiny object syndrome. Like essentially when you're just, you're like a fly, like you're drawn to these different lights and you just, you're kind of all over the place versus like actually seeing what's happening, right? You're actually being drawn to like, it's not nice. You're under the bad place, you know, returning back to like what you actually started with was like, it reminded me of like, okay, I left my corporate job because I wanted to help people. And if I failed, if nothing worked, at least I could say that that happened up until this point and the money and everything else will come. So I should give myself credit where credit is due. 
Absolutely. And and again, that's, you know, for everyone listening here, it's something that is going to continually be challenging. And as you were talking, it's exactly what I do. I say, hey, you know, I've accomplished all of these things, but, mm-hmm. and that but is perfectionism. Big but. It's like, I haven't been perfect. I haven't done every single little thing right now the way I wanted it to go. And how many times in life have we laid out a plan and it went exactly according to plan, right? There's always some sort of a time deviation or a curveball, right? That's life. And so it's so important. And I, and I have as a part of my goals for next year is, is really, really working on giving myself credit when it's due, but also taking a break. So I think the two are interwoven, but I'm so happy you brought that up as a question, because I feel like a lot of us don't do that, especially in a world that makes that tough with, you know, celebrities and being famous. Like, do I really deserve this credit? I'm not famous or I'm not, you know, X, Y, and Z. So really staying in your lane and taking it step by step and giving yourself pats on the back when you accomplish those goals is key. Yeah. But then the other thing too, is like, okay, a lot of people, maybe you get this too, but I feel like I'm always like, I want to bask in my greatness and right. Celebrate myself. But I also want to humble myself. Like I don't want to go too far where I'm off the deep end. And I like, I'm too like full of myself or too full of shit to the point that I can never return. You know what I mean? Like you see those people who like, girl, you got to check yourself or dude, like step the fuck back. Cause like you've lost who you are and you've, you're becoming an egomaniac. I have not figured out. I mean, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I think you're doing a pretty good job, but like, it's also frightening because as you go into this online space, like you can see yourself changing as you right become more entertaining and you're building at a site and you have to build a landing page that like goes through this like whole, you know, customer journey and saying all the right things. And you're like, hold the fuck up. Like, <laughs> am I just becoming exactly. another person? You know what I, but you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 uh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And that's something my business coach brought up to me, which is really funny. When we first started meeting, I said almost to the T what you just said in terms of like, not like wanting to humble myself, not wanting to slack off. And my business coach just kind of laughed and was like, when have you ever done any of those things? Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, it's true. When have you ever not been humble? When have you never not done the things you said you were going to do? When have you ever right underachieved? Take a break, man. I'm 27. And at the time we had this conversation, I was 26. It's like, man, you are doing great. Like if you took the year off and came back, you would be still in a stellar position. So really be patient with yourself and really hold that critic in your head at bay because you're doing great. You know, so we need those reminders and we need people in our lives to remind us of those things. And again, that's where this community comes into play. Having folks like yourself, right? Having people that are like-minded to give you that affirmation, give you that validation, but also give yourself that validation. That's key. And that's something that a lot of my clients struggle with. And I have a methodology on how to do that as well. Now that we've talked about like imposter syndrome, right? Giving yourself credit. Something I struggle with and I know a lot of other people, especially women struggle with is like being too nice, like in business, like you still want to practice empathy, right? Still be humble, like still be caring about people. But right, if you're building a business of... You have to switch between having the business hat and the personal hat. Like, right, you can't coddle your friends or like coddle your clients. You have to be firm about things. Like, how do we nurture our relationships in the long run while still like being serious or be taken seriously or like respected of our time? Because how many times have you maybe set up a call with someone and then they like don't show up or they don't pay or something happens and you're like, okay, do I'm not gonna yell at them, but I'm pissed about it. Have to be nice. Like, there's this like balance between like. Give us the deets, Khalil. <laughs> I, think that, I think the way that I look at that, and I get that a lot. I'm the guy in the CC with a big smile, always giving room for folks who are quiet to speak. Like I'm always that guy trying to make sure that everyone in the room is heard. But also, right, when things go awry, that I'm not flying off the handle, that I'm being respectful. I think there's a huge difference between being too nice and being respectful. 
And I think those are two distinctions to make, right? So to your point of not showing up to meetings or being underpaid, that's disrespectful. So you have to have a way to address the disrespect and communicate that to whomever you're doing business with to say, hey, I understand things happen, but this is not acceptable when I'm doing business. That is a respectful way of putting it and letting them know you have boundaries and communicating. That is a positive thing. It may feel a little uncomfortable, but that is what you absolutely have to do to protect yourself. So in terms of being quote unquote too nice, that's very subjective, but from being too nice, you know, I'm someone that I would say I'm probably too nice in business, but it hasn't hurt me. And the reason why it hasn't hurt me is at the root of what I do is knowledge and confidence. And I know what will be will be because I have put in the work and will continue to put in the work to make sure that it will happen. And no one can take that away from me. So as far as being too nice, I'm not too concerned with that. I'm not too concerned with people taking advantage of me because I've never really let that happen. But for folks that think that that is going on, it is okay to call that out and communicate disrespect or communicate how you'd like things to go. And so at the root of it is making sure you're communicating and not just letting things go to the wayside, right? Because I think to your point, that's where we are too nice is when someone steps on our toes or someone does something disrespectful and we let it pass in fear of being mean. So it's very crucial to communicate and be respectful about the way you communicate. And if you do that, you will definitely be able to also still practice empathy in that, right? Like I just said, hey, I understand that, you know, bad days happen or et cetera etc. Like being understanding, but also, like you said, being firm and holding your line is crucial because people will walk all over you if you give them the chance. So there is a fine line. And I think I encourage the viewers to really delineate too nice from respect because those two things are different. And I think respect holds higher value than being too nice. Oh, for sure. I'm still, I'm really navigating that. That's something I really struggle with. I, at the core of what I do, as you know, is everything. I want to provide as much value. So that means I'm jumping on free calls with people because I can see that they're in pain and they need someone. I'm going to do that. But at the same time, I'm also walking into fire because A, it's free, right? They don't actually value that call. B, like that doesn't mean they're going to become a playing client. C, like, I don't know. I feel like in a lot of instances, things have not worked out in a neutral or a good way because of doing something out of the benefit of someone else than just for myself. And then of course I'm like, you're being selfish, right? And then I feel guilty. But at the same time, right, there is a differentiator between like my time is valuable, my I should be respected. Like they're clearly seeking something for me. So there's something there for me to guard heavily in a way. Absolutely. And I'll challenge that a little bit and just say, you know, it's not selfish. And I just made a video about this. It's actually being self-fool because if you show up to situations, right, that example you gave, right? If someone disrespects you or doesn't pay you for your time, your glass is not going to be full, right? Because you're going to feel disrespected. You're going to feel, you know, maybe even a little bit angry or mad. And when you show up to situations like that, right, you're not going to give your best. You're not going to do your best. So coming up with your glass full there includes being heard and setting boundaries because that would make you feel good and that would increase your value, correct? So that's what I always tell people is it's not selfish to say, hey, you know, I know I gave you a free session here, but this is typically something I don't do. And our next, if you want to, you know, meet with me again, it'll be this much or saying, Hey, you know, I'd really love to help you with this, but um, I'm going to need this, right? That's not being selfish. That's being self-full so that you can come to the situation with hundred percent so that you feel valued and you feel validated, right? Like that's so important. But I, again, I've struggled with that in the past with being too nice, but I always had a caveat as I was coming up with, I'll do free work for experience. I was in that for a while. Oh, everyone has to, I don't want to say pay their dues, but I feel like 
in order for you to be in a place to help other people or charge anything, you need experience, whether you're 21 and you're just out of college or you're, I mean, I guess you're still in college, but, or you're 30 and you're pivoting like to a different career, you need the experience. And if you don't have it, you should probably get it for free. Easiest, quickest way. Absolutely. And that's where I got my lesson in being too nice because too, I know we had talked in our call. I've made to date folks, you know, north of about, you include my startup, I've made folks north of about $60 million um, and have made a fraction of that for myself. And so, and I don't think I've been paid quite enough in that arena. And that kind of lends itself to being too generous. And I think that's a key differentiating here is I find myself being too generous. So I've put systems in place. I've built businesses and been able to have a consultancy now where I make sure that my value is put up forth and knowing that I'm going to deliver because I've done it so many times. So there's a lot there to unpack in terms of being too nice. And I'm so happy you brought that up because I know there are listeners that struggle with that. Again, making sure you're being respected. You can definitely give, but make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well so that you can show up ready to deliver. Yeah, agreed this next chapter, this next quarter, like going into 2022, that's one of my biggest goals is to get out of the like, nicey, nice, like, I don't want to say ego rubbing, but just like nurturing and the mommy, like empathy and like, right. Anticipating needs of others and acting on those wishes and just more getting. So to the point of like, I will do everything in my power to help you, but you have to pay me. I am sorry. We are not doing free handouts anymore. Yeah. And like just taking it from, you know, we briefly have met, but again, I feel like we really see each other. Like you're so powerful and not even from like what you know, but just how you carry yourself. The way that you communicate, the way that I've seen you help and and do podcasts and help clients, really it's those intangibles that I spoke about. And so you can charge for those, right? Because you're going to ultimately be one of the better people to work with. I've worked with so many people who don't have those intangibles, but are the smartest guy in the room. And I've gone running for the hills. So charge for that. Charge for your character, charge for your skills, charge for all of it, because it all matters and all lends itself to making someone else money or making someone else's dreams come true. Charge for that all day, every day. I wish I would have done that earlier. I've lost out on millions of dollars because I was too slow to do that, or I I failed to see the value I gave. So I say those compliments to you to say you provide a tremendous amount of value. And I know we have listeners who do the exact same thing. So guys, it's time to charge for that because at the end of the day, this is our world and our dreams deserve validation to come true as well. And the best way to do that energy is money or money is energy. Make that money, charge that rate. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself and make sure that your glass is full. Yeah. Thank you so much for the compliment. Cause I think, um, well, I know that this is room for improvement for me. This is something that I'm working on. People are witnessing every day as I work through this, that this is like, you know, I'm stepping from the, this is a cute hobby into like, no, this is a full blown business. And as a result, we need to operate like a CEO, but like, can you, if you can, how do you make the sale? Like, I know you have clients and you charge an hourly rate and you're like doing the, the fucking thing. Like you are doing the thing. How do you even like ask, how do you do that? How do you ask someone? What's the kind of question or the the relationship that you build in the beginning to even get to that? Is it just a cold DM on TikTok? Like, um, so for me and for a while, it was a lot of just private referrals and just having a, I have a very expansive network. I'm from the Bay area. I've been someone that's been working since I was 14. So I've really leveraged a lot of my connections and opening up to TikTok and Instagram was a journey that I have done before. And the way that I kind of make this sale is getting off on the right foot is so important. Setting expectations is huge. I'm in tech and I'm in pre-sale. So I deal with this even on the corporate level as well. And what I find with a good sale versus a bad sale is, is a couple of components. Number one, right, is making sure that you guys are aligned on what each party needs and wants from the other party. When those expectations aren't set, 
it leaves room for that goalpost to continually shift and move and no one can hit a target, right? So really outlining what your expectation is, what your rates are, and also understanding what your client wants is first and foremost, the number one thing. Two is empathy, right? Being able to empathize with someone's problem and give them a solution is huge. But as far as lead gen goes and just being able to get leads into your business, social has been huge, right? Because strangers, friends of friends, um, you know, seven degrees of separation, right? You can go read about that all day long. It compounds very quickly. So what I really focus on, Gabby, is killing and doing a great job with the clients that I have. Because I know that if I deliver and do a great job with them, they're going to talk about that service to 20, 30, 40 other folks. And I have running lists of that. Like I have some clients that have grown to 100 clients. They're referral over referral over referral over referral. Like it's crazy how that really starts to go. So I kind of talked about two caveats there, right? Lead gen and how you do that. But really, once you have that lead, how do you cultivate that lead? You cultivate it by having clear expectations and showing empathy, uh, saying, hey, I understand where you're at. And here's what we're going to do to get you out of that. And before we do that, though, I have to be honest, here are my rates, right? Here's what I need from you. And if this is a problem, let's work through that together. That language will really help your client understand what they need from you and what you need from your client. So that's how I make the sale is making sure that I'm showing all those components that I'm following up, that I'm doing my job, and that I'm communicating. I think communication in the sale is something that has always has fallen by the wayside. And it's super valuable. Communicating at every step. I'll give you an example. I have a TikTok strategy client right now, and that we did our initial console and you know the company and it was great. But I noticed they weren't doing anything with it. I could have just been gone. I could have said, you paid me, I gave you my expertise, and I'm out. But you know what I did? I checked and I said, hey guys, I just want to give you a nudge. Is there anything I can do to help here? I didn't have to do that, but I wanted to make sure that they knew that I care and I genuinely do care. And that has really helped cultivate that relationship. And guess what? A couple of leads came from it because they were like, oh man, like you really are here for us. You really do care about us. So don't let those things fall to the wayside either. Really cultivating your current relationships and treating them like gold because they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes as things grow in business, we can stray away from that type of mentality of like people over profit, building relationships. And it's just, it's so detrimental to the business. It really is. It's true. I mean, you think about two polar brands, right? You think about a brand that that doesn't really care. And you think about a brand that cares a whole lot, right? You think about like the Amazons of the world versus like an airline, right? Like two completely different experiences, right? One cares and one doesn't. It's made apparent. And I know that, you know, a lot of people in sales, they expect to hear like some crazy talk track or some sell me this pen, you know, but really it comes down to those character traits. And that's why I started our podcast with that was it really in every facet of your business is going to make or break you is how well your character is and how well you deliver and follow through on things that is going to dictate your success over and over again. Yeah. And, but also the relief, I guess you could say is that you could still fuck up as you're experimenting and figure things out and still do well. Hey, I've been there too. And you know what I told my client? I told them I fucked up. I didn't just beat around the bush. I said, you know, I messed up here, but I'm going to deliver to you 10 times harder because I did that. And it's rare for me to do that. It's rare for me to mess up. But when I do, it will be of a great benefit to you at the end of the day, because now I feel like I have something to correct. I need to do better on. So again, communicating, it's huge. Don't just fuck up and leave and be like, ah, I'm scared to not address that because you're going to do more damage than good in that situation by not owning up and not making it right. Oh yeah, I've been there. <laughs> we all have. <laughs> we all <been> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, so many fucking gold nuggets. I can't wait to re-listen to this again. But um, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? What would you tell younger Khalil? Oh, you know, this is something that I've been asked this a lot. 
And the things that I'll say is to my younger self is experience as much as you can, learn as much as you can, be kind and meet new people as often as possible. Not to say this to scare you, but nothing matters in the grand scheme of things. So go for your dreams and live how you see fit because none of this shit matters, right? Like we're spinning in space in an infinite galaxy. Do what makes you happy, do what helps people and do more good than harm. Like those are all the things I would say. And then for the for a little bit of a funny throw in here for my crypto folks, uh, invest in Bitcoin and then also make a TikTok at the beginning of 2020 because it's going to blow up. Yeah. I both things can agree to, um, but also the whole front. I thank you for sharing all of that. And that's kind of my whole journey with this too, is sharing with people like you can literally do whatever the fuck you want. Like you can, it's just your limited beliefs. And yes, maybe there are some circumstances that are, you know, trapping you or putting you in a place where maybe there's a lot of adversity, but at the same time, there are so many options in this world. So cut the shit. Like we're not doing excuses anymore. Absolutely, man. It's it's so true. And thank you so much for being that voice because it's so needed. And I'm trying to be that voice with you, you know, but you can lead a deer to water, right? But you can't force it to drink. So that is the fun part about being that motivator is kind of sitting back and letting people go at their own pace, but also giving them that nudge because you care. So thank you for being that nudge. Yeah. Thank you for being here too. We need people just like you too. The great thing too is like we can both exist in this space plus a million other people with all different experiences and still like help people even though like like there are going to be people in your community who I'm never going to touch and same thing here because we just don't hit them the same way because we come from different experiences. And that doesn't mean I'm better than you or you're better than me. It's just we bring different things to the table even though we do kind of the same similar-ish work. Absolutely. And shameless plug here, guys. Make sure you guys go follow me on TikTok on Stuff KD. Love to see you guys there. But yeah, Gabby, this has been so great. I'm so happy and, and honestly honored that you invited me on the podcast. And this was such a great conversation and I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the 9 to 5, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at SheLikesToGab. 